Welcome. You are listening to the Sioux Falls Startup Stories Podcast. Well, hello, everybody, and welcome once again to episode two of season three of the Sioux Falls Startup Stories Podcast. We are so thankful and excited that you have decided to join us for another really, really great episode. Before we get into it, though, I wanted to give a quick shout out to our sponsors, Startup Sioux Falls. Without Matt Paulson and his team sponsoring this podcast, this honestly wouldn't even be a thing. You can check out more of all the great things that Startup Sioux Falls is doing on their website at SiouxFalls.eco. That is SiouxFalls.eco, uh, which also happens to be the place where uh, it hosts this very podcast. So if you're ever looking for show notes and more information about this podcast or and this might be more interesting. If you want to sign up for our email list, you can also check us out there at siouxfalls.eco slash podcasts. Okay, so on to this week's episode with an amazing woman. Her name is Karina Keys. Karina runs a very successful marketing agency right here in Sioux Falls. It is called Key Media Solutions. Uh, she's very local to this area of eastern South Dakota. She's moved around quite a bit in her youth, but entrepreneurship and specifically marketing and ad agency life, it wasn't exactly her plan going into college or even really coming out of it. She graduated from University of Sioux Falls, but her degree wasn't in business or marketing like one might think. Um, at that time, it was broadcast productions. I started working at Kello TV when I was in college and just fell in love with the industry and the work, and um, so that's what I, I actually started as an undeclared major because I didn't know what I wanted to do, and my first media class was media ethics, and I was hooked, um, and actually before that that course was even done, it was a J term, before that was even done, I had a job at Kello, and had changed or declared my major and got into it. Media ethics. That just doesn't seem like a term used much these days when we think about the world around us and the world in media and journalism specifically. So in, in that time, um, it was really about ethics and journalism and how we as journalists and as, as the media industry need to be aware of those, of those lines and how what we do can impact people's perceptions. And we need to make sure that we maintain a line of being unbiased and unprejudiced. Um, that obviously does not apply in today's journalism world. Karina was a young and ambitious woman, and you can see the light in her eyes when she talks about broadcast journalism and what it was like having a job at Kello TV. But really, that's a far cry from owning her own marketing agency like she does today. Certainly, entrepreneurship was not in her five or even her 10-year plan after her days in college. So I, um, I was not a traditional college student, um, I, partly because I think the way that I grew up and moving around a lot, I, I was really kind of a follower through high school and because of that ended up as being a single parent, my single, or having a child my senior year of high school. And um, I at that time wasn't gonna go to college, but thought, you know, I'm not gonna raise a child on welfare and being dependent on somebody else, and so um, worked through my way through college as a single parent. And so my goal was just to get through school, to get my diploma, and to land a job to where I could support myself and my daughter. 
and um, give her a better life than she would have had had I taken another route. So that was my that was my vision at that point. That was my plan. Um, I really did fall in love with the the world of media, and um, you know, as, as hard as the work was working at Kello TV, and the hours were horrible. Um, I really loved every day of it. It was awesome. I only left there um, once my my daughter started kindergarten because it's. You can't really work nights when she's going to school during the day. Well, there are few things in this world that is more motivating to a person than taking care of a child. And even now, as her kids are growing and they're moving out of the house and making their own way in life, you can still feel the drive and the passion that Karina has to succeed. Now, I truly believe that entrepreneurship can be a real path to financial freedom but it is definitely not the easiest thing to do, especially when you have little mouths to feed at home. I honestly wouldn't even describe myself. I still struggle in describing myself as an entrepreneur and connecting with that entrepreneurial community, which it seems weird, and people tell me I'm crazy. Um, I didn't even begin in my journey until I was almost 40. I mean, I worked, I punched the clock, I worked for the man. and and was happy doing it. it I, I wasn't, I shouldn't say, I was restless. I always got restless because I always wanted to push, to grow, to improve, to be better for opportunities. But um, I never had any issues with working for somebody else and being a part of a team as long as I could contribute and as long as I felt appreciated and as long as um, there was an opportunity to continue for myself to grow personally and professionally. So um, I, and even... Truly, even when I started the business, I really didn't view myself as an entrepreneur. Um, To me, it was a decision that was the best interest of my family at the time. And it wasn't because I had this grand vision of of having a big business and hiring employees and working with people all over the country. Um, I truly wanted to help businesses understand some of the technology that was out there and available to them, um, to be smarter marketers, and to be able to support my family in doing it. Wow. She didn't start her business until she was 40. Now, don't get me wrong, 40 is still really young, especially compared to others, like the Colonel. You know the guy, Colonel Sanders from Kentucky Fried Chicken? He didn't start his business, KFC, until he was nearly 60. Now, that's proof that it is never too late to make the jump. But that doesn't necessarily make it easy. Everyone has a really unique an interesting transition story from the world of a steady income to the world of self-employment. So what's Karina's story? Kind of an interesting start. And again, not a traditional approach to how anybody's ever done it that I've spoken with. Um, I had been at Lawrence and Schiller for about 10 years. And at that time, I really knew that I needed to be more home. I knew my kids needed me. Um, you're going to learn your kids need you more as teenagers than as babies. And I say this to everybody. It is so true. Um, And at that time, I had, my oldest was in college, my son was in high school, and I had a daughter in middle school. And my son was like, Mom, why can't you make it to my game? What really got me is his freshman year, he had a football game. And in the total chaos before school started, you know, it's like, where's your backpack? Where's your pads? Where's your shoes? Do you have your cleats? You know, and it's, it's like, uh, you know how that is when they're trying to get out and catch the bus and get out the door. 
And as he's running out, he's like, don't forget I have a game tonight. And at that time, freshmen, they play at like 4 o'clock in the afternoon. And I'm like, yep, 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 I'm going to be there. He goes, yeah, but I know you're going to be late because work is always more important. And he went race into the bus, and he got on the bus, and he never looked back. And I sobbed. I broke down, and I was just devastated that my children thought that my job was more important. And even, I know, I, we're going to cry over this, I know. Um, I will never, ever, ever forget any moment of that morning because it was so impactful for me. I'll be pretty honest. Our eyes were not dry during this part of the podcast. Even as I re-listened to this part of the podcast, my eyes began to water. It's okay, Mom. I know you'll be late. Your work is always more important. That is something that no parent wants to hear out of the kid, out of the mouth of their kid. Even as I look at a picture of my kiddos sitting at my desk right now, I wonder, do they think that about me? Man, what a punch in the gut. So he's now 25, and I was talking to him last last year. We were sitting down and just having, you know, he's having a soda and just BSing for a little bit. And I told him that story, and he sobbed because he did not remember it. And he's like, how could I not remember that? How could I, how could that mean so little to me and have such a vivid impact on you? And I'm like, well, one, you were, you were 13. I mean, you live in a self-absorbed world. Um, but you were just calling it as you said it. But it totally changed the trajectory of my life in so many ways. And so at that, that point I went in and I, I just, I talked to um, you know, Scott Lawrence, and I just said, something's got to change. I can't keep doing this. And it took about nine months for me to realize that things just weren't going to change. And so at that time, I started making a short list of, okay, well, where can I go work? Because I need a paycheck to support my family. And um, ended up getting a job working for um, a company out of Minneapolis, a digital marketing firm out of Minneapolis. They allowed me to work from home. They paid me exceedingly well. Um, but it gave me the opportunity to really be home and spend some time. Uh, but it was also pretty evident early on. I think I knew within a month that it wasn't a super financially stable company and the owners were absolutely brilliant, but not great business runner. You know, they couldn't manage the business. And so I just, I'm like, okay, I'm going to live as cheap as I can. I'm going to pay off as much debt as I can. Um, I told my, my husband at the time, I'm like, we need to save as much money as we possibly can because I don't know how long this is going to last. And it was January 1st of 2011, um, New Year's Day, the owner called and said, yeah, we can't make payroll. Uh, we're going we're gonna to take a six-month hiatus on the business. We're laying everybody off. We're going to regroup. Um, so you can take unemployment. Uh, you can just hang out and wait for us to come back and, and restart the firm. Or if you want to go back to the agency, you can do that. Well, if it's not clear by now, Karina is definitely not the type of woman to sit back on unemployment and just let things play out. She was smart and she saw this coming. She had prepared for it. But I can't help but think that even with preparation and knowing that something like this is inevitably around the corner, getting a call like this has to be kind of hard. But Karina, she takes it in stride. And so I spent a lot of a lot of those first couple of weeks of January just praying over what I needed to do and what was the right answer for my family. Um, my son, who was asking me if I was ever going to be home, was starting to ask me, are you ever going to go to an office? Like, are you leaving anytime soon? 
And I just told him no. And um, my marriage was a little bit rocky. I mean, it wasn't, it wasn't a horrible marriage, but it wasn't as, as solid as I wanted it to be. So I had to figure out what I could do that would still allow me to, to build my family and support my family. But we still needed the income. And so um, after a couple of weeks, I'm like, you know, I can, I can do what they were doing. It was a small company. There was five people. And I'm like, I know. I can do it. I, so I called, I called the owner up and I said, hey, I kind of want to start this on my own and, and offer the services to the people that I know. Uh, you're taking a hiatus and you have all these contracts that you need to fulfill and all these customers that are counting on you to do this work and you're not going to do it. Um, do you mind if I call him? Wait, that is a pretty bold move. She just calls up her old bosses and asks for their client list. And they gave it to her. This is why she said her path to self-employment was a little less than traditional. Not everyone has that kind of opportunity. And certainly even less would have the courage to make a move like this. So first he gave me a blessing to go ahead and um, to start this business. But then he also gave me permission to reach out to the clients that we had been serving um, and just see if they wanted somebody to continue to, or if they wanted to go somewhere else. And so um, that was about the 20th of January. And by the 14th of February, I um, needed to open a checking account because I had checks that needed to be deposited. And I had a company name and I had a logo and I had a stack or a tax ID and I had incorporation papers. And I mean, I don't think I slept for a month. Uh, because I did the entire startup from conception to execution and first clients in 30 days. Uh, it was just crazy. But the, the job through ExactDrive had given me the financial capabilities to be able to say, we've got enough money and savings that we can start this business and be okay for, for six months if we needed to be okay for six months. Well, in case you didn't pick that up, that is a great piece of business advice. If you're going to start a company... Make sure you have finances to be okay for at least six months. I highly recommend that strategy. My wife and I did not do that when we started our retail store, so trust me when I say I highly recommend having six months of resources and finances behind you before you start. So during these uh, first few months, she had taken on a handful of clients, and while she wasn't really making any money, she also wasn't losing it either. It was also this first season of her startup that her daughter was given a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity to study in Europe for a year. Karina and her daughter had made a plan, and just four months after starting her brand new company, she flew her daughter overseas and came back home without her. And this is one of the best parts of entrepreneurship. It's the ability and the freedom and flexibility to put your family first and create your own schedule and make your own path in life. I believe that God provides. And when you listen and you follow, um, it was it was truly a transformation when I came back because, well, it was maintaining and the business was, was self-sustaining and um, it never had a month that we had a loss and which, you know, in, in the first five months of a startup is amazing in and of itself. But I came back, and it's like somebody flipped a switch. And um, at the time, I really hated my car. I really hated my car, and I was spending a lot of time in my car. And I had made myself a promise that the 
the first month that I made a, a profit and I set a, a line on it, I was going to go out and buy myself a new car. And that happened in July of that 2011 year, um, which was also, by the way, the month my daughter got engaged in Europe and then announced she was getting married in November of 2011. So <laughs> I just think, ah. All right, it's time for that mid-roll ad again. But just real quick, if you're interested in advertising on this podcast and reaching a specific group of entrepreneurship-minded folks, hit me up. You can email me at joshuasopko at gmail.com or just look me up on Facebook. But this ad isn't about selling ads. It's about the business that I mentioned before. And no, I'm not talking about the KFC business, but the one about the retail store that my wife and I own. It's called Juniper Apothecary, and over 90% of the products in our store are all handmade right in the shop by us. Well, when I say by us, I really mean by my wife. I can't even cook an egg, so I leave the making of the things up to her. But we provide individuals and families with natural alternative ways to help heal your body, your mind, and your soul, from bath and body products to herbal salves and creams. We've got things for your showers and your bath. We've got you covered for sure. And hey, Christmas is coming. We also specialize in custom gift boxes. These make great gifts for clients, employees, or anyone that is on your hard to buy for holiday list. Stop in, mention this podcast for a special deal on one of our custom gift boxes. Check us out online at juniperapothecary.com. Maybe easier just to try and Google apothecary because no one can spell it. Or come and check out our store at the 8th and Railroad Center right next to Brewery to Remedy Brewing Company. And yes, we located our store next to a brewery on purpose. Okay, back to Karina. Two thousand eleven was a really big year, and um, it was just a blessing. I actually ended up bringing on another employee as a contract employee. Um, started out part time in about that that June July period when things, like I said, I came I came back in May from Europe, and it was just I couldn't keep up. I literally the phone was ringing faster than I could answer it. And um, another great blessing, good problem to have, but. Hired a friend, um, lifelong friend of mine. I'm like, just help me with the paperwork, help me with the bookwork, help me, you know, keep things organized. And um, then ended up bringing her on actually as a full time employee in January of 2012. Because I'm like, there's two of us, we can't keep up. I mean, it's just, it's crazy. But we were working and we were sitting on my kitchen table. We were, um, you know, wherever we could sit down and, and like have quiet time. And it was tough in the summer when the kids were all home, but it, it was a really exciting year. There was a lot of big things that happened that year. And it seems like I think I got this. This is the exciting part of starting a business, bootstrapping things from your kitchen table, bringing on friends to help with the bookwork. It's the startup phase when everything is going a hundred miles an hour. And it seems like Karina is invincible. I mean, she's fearless. She had just lost her job, essentially, had called her bosses, got clients. I mean, she rebounded with nothing but success on her mind. Is this woman a robot? Has she figured out this magic formula for having a work-life balance? Um, That's an ongoing struggle, I think. Um, I still struggle with that now sometimes. And it's... 
And it was really hard too because we did have a desk. We lived, so we had an 1,100 square foot house with three kids and two dogs and a cat. And occasionally a hermit crab or a turtle or whatever else that comes through houses with little kids. Um, so there really wasn't anywhere that I could just go and close a door. Uh, because we had knocked down some walls so that it was all open from the office to the living room to the kitchen. And we had done that so that our kids couldn't hide behind a wall when they were on the computer. Um, but then it backfired to me because I couldn't hide behind a wall when I was at work. And there definitely were some, some battles about why aren't you doing laundry because you're home all day and why didn't you do dishes or make dinner and have it ready when we all came home. Um, you know, there, there definitely were those moments, and, and especially my, my, my ex-husband really struggled to adapt to the change. And he's like, well, you're here. Why can't you do this? And I'm like, well, I'm here, but I'm working. I'm, I'm on the phone. I'm on the computer. I'm writing contracts. I'm making calls. I'm scheduling meetings. And if I don't do this, we're never going to have any money coming in. And so th this is my job. Just because I'm here in the house doesn't mean that my job is not important and that I don't need to do it. So it, w it was definitely, I had to set some personal boundaries of when I would do certain things and keep things super structured because the structure provided me the focus to be able to say, okay, this is the time that I'm going to do this and nothing else is going to happen in that window. Um, obviously sick kids and whatever, there's, there's exceptions, but this is the dedicated time that I'm going to focus on this. And it's okay if the laundry doesn't get changed or something, you know, something doesn't get thrown in the crack pot for dinner during this window. And this is the less exciting part of starting a company. This is the sacrifice that each of us have to make. Our lives change as business owners. Our priorities change. And we no longer punch the clock at nine and leave at five. We can't just leave work at work and just come home to a normal lifestyle. At least that's not usually the case for the first few years of entrepreneurship. And this new lifestyle was definitely changing for Karina. One of the hardest pieces for me to realize is that as my business was growing and changing, I was also growing and changing with it. And as the business was becoming more successful, those people that had always been around me before, my friends, even to some point family, start, start trying to pull you back because they think you're leaving them behind. And so they try to pull you back and they try to sabotage some of your success and they start to question some of what you're doing because it's making you different from what you used to be. And um, even my dad for a few years had told me I was making a mistake by starting my business because um, I wasn't available to my kids. I was having to travel from time to time, and my marriage failed, and, and my ex-husband blamed my success for the failure of our marriage, that I, didn't, I wasn't committed enough to him and available to him when he needed me. Um, that was a fallout of, of this. It's people start to, one, they try to pull you back. And when they can't bring you back to where you were, they push you out. And your friends change and your circles change. And um, the people you surround yourself with tends to change a little bit. As that was, that was my experience. And I think I've talked to others that have had a similar experience. 
This is the reality of the entrepreneurial life. Of course, this isn't the experience that everyone has, but it is a reality that many of us go through in one form or another. It's these experiences that I like to highlight on this very podcast because running a company doesn't look like it does on TV. It's hard. It's really hard. It's, you know, they always say you're the sum of the five people you spend the most time with, right? Um, entrepreneurs hang out with entrepreneurs for a reason. It, because they, they, they help each other survive and thrive and process and translate. And um, there is a lot of people that I called really close friends before I started the business that um, aren't still in that circle today. But I will say my dad did, um, he did come around it. He shared that he had a lot of regrets because he worked a lot and we moved a lot and he wasn't as involved with us growing up as what he, he thought he needed to be. And so he has a lot of regrets about the way we were raised and was projecting a little bit onto, onto me and saying, you know, you're going to look back and regret this. You're going to look back and wish you'd done it differently. And, you know, I think you need to check your, your priorities and you need to look at what you're focusing on. But he didn't see what I saw and he didn't see the vision that I was building and he didn't understand that I was doing this so that I could give my kids a better life and spend more time with them and have more, more flexibility. And it was, it was only about, oh, it was probably about two and a half, three years ago that, um, well, no, it was 2015. And um, he came in and he's like, you know, he goes, I just want you to tell, how proud, tell you how proud I am of you because now I see what you see and now I see what you were doing. So many people who are not in the entrepreneurial world just don't get it. They don't see what we see. They don't see the vision until after we've been through the grinder and we've built something to be proud of. But with all that negativity and all those naysayers, you'd think that this would really start to weigh in on Karina and her outlook and perspectives about business. I'm really stubborn. <laughs> That's a lot. Um, I also, um, I really turned to my faith and, and my belief, and I knew in my heart that I was doing the right thing, and I didn't always do it the right way, um, and I learned a lot of hard lessons along the way that I, that I took and I incorporated and adjusted to, but um, I really knew that in my heart I was doing the right thing. Okay. So I know that we are coming up on the end of the podcast time limit. I do my best, very best, to keep these episodes down to just 30 minutes. But hold on with me just for a bit, because this next part that Karina shares with me about failure and mistakes, you're, you're going to want to hear this. Which one would you like an example of? Uh, <laughs> the one that just comes to mind, the one that you're like... So, yeah, so... Um, in, it was probably 2014, we had grown. I had, um, at that point, six employees, but we had a lot of business coming in and a lot of new business coming in and a lot of new opportunities coming our way. But we were outgrowing the space that we were in. So I was looking at moving my office for the third time in, in roughly three years. Um, obviously, I'm not afraid to moving. It doesn't scare me at all. I'm a little bit of a nomad that way. I rearrange furniture if I can't move houses every two to three years. So, um, but so I'm like, at that point, 
I, I made the decision that, you know what, I'm really going to grow this business. And I'd hired a coach and, and had done all those things right. But then I decided it's like, well, if we're going to move again, let's just buy a building and move into the building. So in the winter of 2014 um, into 2015, I invested um, three quarters of a million dollars into a building. And then at the same time, I doubled my staff size. And if you've ever done either of those things, they're both very expensive. Um, but we, with the anticipation that the work would follow, with the expectation that, you know, we've got a couple of big contracts out there, so they're going to come through. But none of it came through. None of it came through. And so it was about halfway through 2015, and I'm like, all right, we've depleted our cash reserves. Um, I've cashed out my my uh, life insurance policy. I've, I'm like, I haven't taken a second mortgage on the house yet, but that's probably next. So I uh, ended up having to make the really hard decision, one, to lay off some people and let some people go because we just didn't have the work. And that was, that's just brutal um, because I know these lives are dependent on this job to support their families just as much as my family depended on, on me to support them. Um, but then I pulled everybody together and I'm like, like, we're in the business of generating leads. We're in the business of marketing and advertising. We need a plan and we need it tomorrow because if we don't turn this ship around, we're all going to be out of work by January. And so we, we put a plan together and the whole team, those that, I mean, there was, there was six, seven of us left and we all were like, all right, heads down, let's do this. And by December of that year, we'd landed two big pieces of business um, and had had recouped several small accounts. And I mean, really, it's we doubled the revenue from 2015 to 2016 of the company, which is another problem because we had no cash reserves and I'd already cashed out my life insurance policy. And so now we needed to hire people to do the work and we had no money to pay them. Uh, so this is the lesson that I learned is more people go bankrupt in a time of growth than they do in a time of recession. Because in a recession, you make, you make quick adjustments and you cut. Well, when you're growing, you can't just cut people because you have to do the work and you have to deliver a product. Um, so that was a really, um, really, really as stressful as 2015 was to get through. Um, I never really lost sleep over it until 2016 when I'm trying to figure out how can I fulfill these contracts and make this work? How can I bring in the people that we need to bring it in? And it was literally day to day. We were checking the account balance to see, okay, can we pay this? Are we going to make payroll? How are we going to do this? What are we, did a check come in? So, cause we got payroll tomorrow. Did we, I mean, it was tough. I told you this part would be worth sticking around for. Talk about an ordeal. I mean, laying off employees, managing new growth and the stress of being cash strapped and trying to make payroll and service clients, the stress. But Karina, as per usual, takes it in stride and reaches out for help. I'd been smart enough to join a Vistage group, which if you've not heard of Vistage, it's an international organization, but it is um, local business owners get together on a monthly basis with the, with the purpose of focusing on the business and not being in the business. And so it's one day a month where we get together and uh, really just talk about how can we be better CEOs and business owners? 
and how can we improve our services and how can we take care of our people? And um, so through that, I went, I finally went in and, in like April and I'm like, you guys, I'm going to, I don't know what to do. I, I don't, I really don't know what to do. Um, and at that point we couldn't get a loan because, well, we had a bad year the year before and the numbers didn't look very good. It's the only year that we lost money in business. And um, so nobody would give us a loan and nobody would get behind us. And so they were, they introduced me to a company, an organization called B2B CFO. And it's basically outgoing um, financial advisors and um, chief financial officers that are willing to work with small business on a consultation type basis. So we um, reached out to them and had a meeting with Kurt Weitzel and I'll, I'll always remember the first conference room. I, I just like threw everything. I'm like, we need help. You got to fix this because it's bad and we need help like tomorrow. And he's like, well, I'll take this and I'll analyze it and I'll come back with a plan. I'm like, like tomorrow, right? Like we don't have time. And he's like, okay, let's deal with the crisis first. Let's get out of the crisis and then we'll look at, at where we need to go and what we need to learn. And, um, and so we still work with him today. Um, it just, he, I, I totally credit him for teaching me and, um, Marsha is still with me today and, and still does all of my books and is um, actually my director of operations. But teaching us that just because there's money in the checking account does not mean you're successful and does not mean that things are good. Um, but what indicators do we need to look at and how do we need to, to manage the money and how can we build a three-year and a five-year financial plan? And then how do we educate the rest of our team on what it all means so that they're on board with it and we're all working in the same direction? So that was um, that was tough. I that I, there was many sleepless nights and there was a lot of stressful meetings and uh, you know you always say you never want to cry in the office. Well, you definitely don't ever want your employees to see you cry in the office because that's not a good thing. Uh, so it usually happened behind closed doors. But it just you know I took this big leap of faith, thinking, oh, I've got this. You know, everything's been so good for so long. This is going to be a cakewalk, and it was not. And with that, I'm going to get this wrapped up pretty quickly. I am beyond thankful for Karina coming in and being so vulnerable and sharing the really hard parts of her story. This is the stuff that you don't see on Instagram. This is not the glamour side of business. This is the face in the dirt stuff. But Karina, after nine years of business, is showing the world how worth it it is. She has a successful company with over 15 full-time employees. She manages advertising and marketing accounts for businesses of all sizes from all over the country. Her company, Key Media Solutions, has hosted business events to help other entrepreneurs help market and grow their company. And truly, her story is an inspiration for us all. And you can learn more about her company online at keymediasolutions.com. There's a link in the show, not, show notes as well, so I encourage you to check those out. And finally, a quick thank you to our sponsors, again, Startup Sioux Falls, and to my beautiful wife, who lets me hide upstairs in my office to do the work and actually produce this podcast. We will see you all next week as I unpack the Stenson brothers' story of their company, Stenson Family Farms. If you don't know who they are, they are the best local ice cream people on the planet. So don't miss next week's episode. See ya.